Standing in the Field, a podcast by Perennia, highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and provincial field crop specialist, Caitlin Condon. This episode, I have two guests here with me to talk about the maritime variety trials for soybeans, cereals, and corn. Dan McEachern is a biologist at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Charlottetown. Doug McDonald is a research agronomist at Atlantic Agritech in New Glasgow, PEI. All right, welcome Dan and welcome Doug. Thanks for joining me today. Nice to be here. Yes, thanks for having us, Steve. Excellent. So I think first we're going to talk about the variety trials, the maritime variety trials for cereals, um, corn and soybeans today. So first off, I'll ask, what is your role in carrying out the performance or registration trials? Dan, we'll start with you. So I work over, over on PEI at uh, the Charlottetown Research and Development Center. And I uh, run a program called the Cereal and Oil Seed Cultivar Evaluation and Breeding Program. So what we do is we evaluate uh, different lines of cereals and oil seeds, as well as forages now. And we also have a breeding program where we breed uh, wheat and, and barley over here. And so how I work with these trials is that my program uh, coordinates the, the wheat and oat portion uh, of the trials. So we contact seed companies to see if they have cultivars that they want entered. Uh, we receive the seed, we divide it up, send it out to the sites. And we're also the, the PEI site for, for all the trials. So for corn, soybeans, wheat, oats, barley. Awesome. Doug? So my role is uh, I'm, I act as coordinator for the maritime soybean variety tests. And uh, what that entails is uh, much like Dan talked about, I contact all the uh, seed companies to see if they have interest in, in testing uh, what varieties they have uh, interest in testing in, the, in our region and then uh, get that seed in and uh, divide it among the sites and uh, and ship it out to the various cooperators who actually plant the trials. My role, and then I work with Atlantic Agritech here on PEI, and uh, that's just part of our, basically have a contract with the Grains Council to act as coordinator uh, for those soybean tests. And um, yeah, previously in my previous work, I did conduct the trials as well when I worked at the uh, Dalhousie Faculty of Agriculture, um, but now uh, we just act strictly as the coordinators of bring the seed in and we actually treat all the seed as well. We get untreated seed from the, uh, from the seed companies and treat it so it's all treated uniformly with the same seed treatment products and then, and then shipped out to the cooperators who plant the trials, which are two sites in Nova Scotia and one in New Brunswick and and one here on PEI with, with Dan. Awesome. Yeah, and so to round all of that out, um, I'm, I coordinate the maritime corn tests. So same idea, contacting the cooperative, the, the seed companies and organizing the seed and getting it sent off to um, five locations in the Maritimes. So two here in Nova Scotia, two in New Brunswick and one in PEI. And uh, then Perennia also plants and, and looks after the two maritime corn test locations in Nova Scotia. 
So Doug, the soybean tests are divided up by maturity date or maturity rating. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So um, we divide the varieties that are that are entered from the various companies into different maturity groups. So there is they are divided also by uh, conventional and Roundup Ready or or herbicide tolerance of varieties as well. So we do what we call an early, mid, and and late uh, test for the the herbicide tolerant varieties because there's generally more of those and with the conventional varieties we we divide that into two maturity ranges there just uh, what we call an early and, and early and late and we look at what we consider early is in the uh, most people still talk I guess in heat unit ranges so we we look at an early being in the 22 to uh, 2500 heat unit range and the mid being 25 to 25 to 27 and then anything above 27 and 100 heat units would be in the high or, or late maturity group. So does the New Brunswick site get enough heat for those those really high heat units? We used to test all these all the various tests at all the sites mm-hmm. but New Brunswick generally doesn't get enough heat units for those later maturing varieties. So we have dropped those tests from the New Brunswick site. So the later maturing high heat unit varieties aren't tested at actually at the New Brunswick site. So generally no one's growing those, <laughs> those uh, maturity ranges in that, in that region anyway. So there's, yeah. when they don't reach uh, adequate maturity, it doesn't make much sense. The, the, the data from those, from a site like that, isn't that valuable anyway. Yeah, for sure. So Dan, the serial trials, the serial varieties are registration trials, not performance trials. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, yeah, essentially that we have both uh, registration and performance trials in, in one, mm-hmm. but yeah, registration trials. So, so that's different than with, with corn and soybeans. So essentially the cereals, wheat, oats, and barley includes winter wheat, uh, have to prove themselves essentially worthy before they can be, be sold and, and marketed here. The reason for this, I guess, or the way I, I've always thought of it, and I, actually the way I think it's relayed in the, the guidelines for the rest of registration trials is that um, the registration system like essentially prevents uh, potential harm to the industry. So a registration system tests varieties to determine performance, um, essentially so that our producers don't have to. Right? So we don't want our producers uh, to be the guinea pig for brand new varieties. So if a variety becomes registered for a region, it means that the variety should perform here. Mm-hmm. It's been tested. We've grown it over a number of years. And if the, if, so then you know, the variety can go ahead and, and be marketed um, and sold to producers here. Yeah. So if, if a variety isn't registered, doesn't mean that it can't be grown here. It just means that it can't be marketed and sold here. So you can't okay. have a company saying, okay, grow this, whatever. Right. Uh, but they can go off to a region where it is registered, buy the seed, right. take it here and, and, and grow it all, all they want. Right. 
yeah, we're just trying to uh, take on that. Take I don't know. There seems to be a bit of a notion out there that that we're missing out on varieties. That mm-hmm. there are a bunch of varieties, say Western varieties, that uh, that are amazing, and they've been growing them out there for years. And if we could just get our hands on them, you know, we'd we'd do well here. Working with a program that evaluates varieties, and I work with majority of the uh, the cereal breeders in Canada. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that the best producing varieties out in Western Canada absolutely do not perform well here. They're completely different growing regions. And we have, you know, the big one for small cereals is is Fusarium head blight. That's that's the bad one. That's the one that produces Dawn and that's what the elevators are testing for. And, uh, you know, we we have pretty aggressive Fusarium isolates or species out here. Mm -hmm. And Western material just uh, for the most part can't handle it very well so yeah locally adapted varieties are definitely the way to go yeah that's perfect that leads me really well into my my next question which is why is it important to have local and regional data for these variety trials things grow differently in in different parts of, of the country for sure we have really high humidity out here in Atlantic Canada just different growing conditions altogether that's that's how I see it I don't know about about you Doug Doug is kind of I, I used to work for Doug as uh, as a summer student as you did, so did I, yeah. As, yeah. as well Caitlin so we kind of learned a lot of our cereal stuff from Doug and uh, Dr. Caldwell yeah no absolutely I agree uh, with exactly what they had said is just uh, I've seen it been around uh, a few years and, and you see you see any time that there's a uh, you know, variety that has a western variety bred in western canada they just can't they can't handle the conditions um, that they're subjected to in in, uh, in the atlantic provinces yeah generally more more disease they're just not bred for the same resistance because they don't have the same pressure yeah. in western canada so yeah for sure and same for corn, like, I mean, not so much from the disease perspective, but from the heat unit, corn heat unit perspective, um, they can grow variety or hybrids with um, a lot higher corn heat units in Ontario than we can here. And so that's why we cap our, um, we cap the hybrids that come into the maritime corn tests at, uh, well, there's a couple that are about above 2,500, um, but not many, because those ones are really only performing well down here in the valley. So let's talk about a little bit about um, what takes place during the season. So, you know, we've, we as the coordinators have uh, gathered the seed, we've sent it out to all of the sites where they're going to be planted. So what happens next, Doug? Basically, as, as the coordinator for the soybean tests, I put together a, uh, a protocol for the site cooperators to follow as far as what data needs to be collected mm-hmm. on each of the trials. So after, uh, after seed sent out and planted successfully, then uh, there is data collected such the first thing would be like emergence counts just to assess you know that the the crop actually emerged well there wasn't issues with uh, germination and, and vigor and that the crop established well and then on the soybean side 
generally most of the rest of the data is collected near maturity when we're looking at you know the the end plant height and the uh, lowest pod height um, and through the season I mean if there's any any issues it is noted that you know if there's if there's disease enough disease pressure such as uh, sclerotinia or white mold in the soybeans if that's noted on uh, you know that there's pressure there and some varieties appear to be showing more right. more higher levels of that than that you know then that should that's just should be noted yeah um, sure. any other any other any other issues or anything any differences with uh, between varieties is is requested to be noted mm-hmm. and then like i mentioned we do uh yeah we do a final plant height and a pod height which is important uh, uh important for growers to know as far as uh, as far as how high uh, if a variety has a tendency to set pods quite low it can be yeah. difficult for, for harvest support yeah. And then uh, that then we measure plots are harvested and, and grain yield is measured and seed seed weights as well. And we also do have the samples uh, scanned by on NIR for oil and protein content just for to have that information as well. Not always a high priority from a grower's perspective, like what whether what the oil and protein is, but it's nice to have that nice to have that data. There's generally yeah not a huge variation in it but there can be especially with some of the conventional food grade soybeans there right. that data is more important uh, for those yeah just depending on what you're planting for like if if you are getting into those food grade um food grade soybeans then that would be something you'd be more interested in dan what are some of the data points that we look at on the cereals that are really important yeah well like in terms of the whole process, it's all uh, very similar as uh, with, with soybeans. And I got I got to say, uh, and I, I want to recognize a couple of my team members who have been doing this work for around 30 years or so. Uh, Alan Kamiski uh, is the wheat breeding technician here, and so Alan is really responsible for for doing a lot of this uh, this coordination aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, taking the data for these these trials in the field and on the barley side it's, it's Sharon Terbeek and both of these people um, yeah a lot of the, the varieties targeted for Atlantic Canada have come through these uh, these two people's uh, mm-hmm. fingers you know right from planting well from receiving the seed to planting a tremendous amount of organization and work goes into the into the whole process from the land prep and marking out your plots correctly and getting the seed organized into boxes because you know you're 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 seeding a you know you could be seeding a i guess for the registration trials they're they're not massive 100 plots or or so but uh all together you know we're we're seeding about a thousand plots over here Mm so like i say from marking the pathways to uh herbicide and top dressing uh it's like Whenever, whenever the plants mature is when you really start taking, you know, once you take those, the heading dates, that's when you get into the disease ratings for like, like so we're recording uh, or taking ratings for powdery mildew, leaf septoria and rust, mm-hmm. barley, like bot and net blotch and scald and, and smut. And so all of those things that a, that a producer would, would, would see in their fields, you know, yeah. and uh, 
we put all that together and, and that's part of the guide. So this was the um, first year that we at Perennia did the soybean and the cereal uh, sites down here in the valley. And uh, as we were How'd going, that go? It, it was good. <laughs> it was really interesting, but uh, it was funny because as we were going through the season, like it just all kept, my student days kept coming back to me, like be, <laughs> being out in the fields with a clipboard and <laughs> rating all the diseases and and all that stuff all summer long. So it was kind of a, a little flashback to the past. Yeah. The other thing that I always think is funny during um, like trial setup and stuff is that, well, the summer students always find it kind of odd because we have to square up the corners there. So we have nice, nice square and straight, straight lines of the, for the trial using Pythagorean theorem. And I'm like, always say, I bet you never thought you were going to use this <laughs> in your agriculture job. And they always yep. kind of laugh, but it works. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. And I, I remember my very first job as a summer student, it was for Dave Percival in the blueberry lab. Yeah. Remember, he scared the, the crap out of me <laughs> and said, I hope you're, you're ready for some trigonometry uh, <laughs> tomorrow. And so I, I went home and I'm there trying to trying to study up basically <laughs> what it was just how to how to make sure you have a, a perfect a right square angle. right yeah. angle in the field. It wasn't that intimidating. Okay, so this is small plot um, research. So let's talk a little bit about some of the equipment that we have to use that's different than than what uh, the growers would use and how we try to. Like, how do we make that so that it's representative of what the growers are doing, but on a much smaller scale? The small plot research, of course, like you say, it is, it is small plots, so meaning a small scale. And there's been lots of work done over decades on this as far as what's, what is, uh, what's representative when you're, when you're dealing with small plots, you know, mm -hmm. and there's, and there's been changes over the years on what's uh, what's really sort of needed to get representative data on, on this uh, on this crop variety yeah. testing sort of thing and, and other other tests as well. Yeah, so basically we've it's come down to in the case of cereals there they they're down to like three meter plots and uh, with the soybeans we've stayed at the five meters but they're plots are somewhere in that range, mm -hmm. uh, three meters, so 10 feet to to uh, five or six meters, you know, 20, 20 feet roughly uh, length with generally eight eight rows or a meter, meter and a quarter, meter and a half wide or something like that, depending on the on the row spacing. Mm -hmm. And that's been found, you know, to, to generally be representative and be able to get reasonable repeatable uh, results on that size plot, you know, mm -hmm. without having uh, large uh, edge effects and that kind of thing. Right. So the equipment that's used, yeah, is um, there's small plot, small plot drills for, uh, for cereals and soybeans that are used that have uh, special metering devices for, for, for metering the seed over the, the distance that's required, whether that's three meters or, mm -hmm or five meters or whatever length the, uh, the plot is. And then, and then on the harvest end, basically there's, there's small plot 
combines that are used to uh, harvest those that are just the width of the plot, so a meter, a meter and a half wide, roughly, and uh, um, that can harvest just one single plot. You know, and and besides that, there's other, you know, the management the, as far as land preparation and stuff is generally uh, pretty similar. Scale. To, yeah. Yeah, pretty similar to what you'd see on a on a farm scale operation as far as tillage and fertilizer application and I guess when it comes to when it comes to spraying herbicides or or uh, other products on on these plots, you have to have a a sprayer that's to the scale that you need to mm-hmm. to, uh, to spray to spray those uh, areas. Yeah, the uh, plot equipment is so cute it just looks like little toys but you know very expensive little toys <laughs> over here you know when we're looking for for additional sites that's the big thing like there's lots of people who who are competent enough to to grow out the trials yeah. but you have to have the equipment to be able to do it um on the corn side for a long time uh, in nova scotia we were planting those corn rows by hand um, well, we had jabbers, and to make sure that that's consistent and a representative population, we plant we plant 66 seeds per row, and then we thin it down later on to make sure that we have the population that we want. However, the past couple years, or a couple years ago here in Nova Scotia, we got a little two-row corn planter, and it has made life so much easier <laughs> than having to go out there with the jabbers and and do it all by hand. It's nice, it, it, it's the same, it's kind of a similar idea to the the plot drill, where it, it has the cones that we have to dump the seed into, and, and it actually has an automatic trip on it. So we have a wire or a cable that runs along the length of where we're gonna plant, and every so often it has a little bead and that pops the, um, it trips the mechanism so that the seed goes down in, and pretty slick. So we talked a little bit before about um, some of the differences in the different areas where we have the trials. Um, So we have several sites across the Maritimes. Um, So why is it important to to hit those different climates and why are are we looking at them together as well as as separately as individual sites? So I guess I'm just thinking, you know, we want to, we want to test over a variety of, of, uh, multiple sites because we want to test over a variety of conditions mm-hmm. and you know because that's what what currently exists out there you know we're, we're testing under real world conditions mm-hmm. and you know the, the 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 growing conditions down in kentville or canning or wherever you happen to have your your trials are are different than northern new brunswick and different from over here at harrington different than uh, harrington pei even. different than in yeah. Truro. So the more sites we can test at, the more representative our, our data is going to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, especially some of these years where we're having weather that's so variable, depending on, on where you are. Like last year, it was so, so dry, and especially in the valley, but it wasn't quite as dry. There, The timing of those rains was a little better up in the Truro area, so... There were differences even even right there, and that's only hour and a half, two hours away. 
Yeah, and the, oh, yeah. the important, the important thing to remember is, yeah, if you have a, if you have a variety that performs well over a, a range of, of sites, mm -hmm. so variable conditions, you'd be more confident if it's uh, over multiple sites is performing the best. It's probably going to be, you know, when it, when the yield or whatever are averaged over a number of sites, it's it's probably going to be your best performing variety, you mm -hmm. know because you have such different conditions. I say whether it's a heat unit accumulation or rainfall or whatever in a site, some varieties are gonna do better, especially when it comes to heat units, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, especially corn and soybeans, they, they're the higher heat unit ones are gonna perform in those sites that have the higher heat units, but they should still, you know, perform relatively well across all Mm -hmm. so if, if they're a good a good strong variety and we see that you know as a result you you get those old staple mm -hmm. varieties that are being being grown out there with with wheat you think of of walton yeah. ac walton and that was definitely the number one wheat growing growing over here on pei for you know close to 20 years yeah. And so when it comes to our trials, we make sure that our Czech variety or the one that we compare all the new ones to mm -hmm. is that old stable variety that's performed well over all those different locations. We have other alternatives just mm -hmm. in case something were to happen to the Walton plot. We have other other uh, ones we'd look at, um, Helena and uh, Nass and mm -hmm. some of those other old ones. And I guess for Island, yeah, I'm thinking of, or sorry, for for barley i'm thinking of island uh island and leader were, were definitely our, our number our major barleys over here for for quite a long time yeah and those old varieties are still around for a reason because they're consistent new varieties are coming out that are outperforming these there's not okay. a lot of uptake yet it's expensive to adopt a, it can be a, a expensive to adopt a, a new variety and yeah. you know that's why i think producers need the results from these trials they need to take a look at them so that they can see that there are other varieties out there to try and i'm thinking of two new ones there that we released uh this year just when it comes to to barley aac ling and aac bell great new barley varieties and anyway yeah check out the guide <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's <laughs> that's the thing too like to, yeah to, to look at those newer varieties you know and you take advice from uh, in the case of corn and soybean especially you have yeah. you have seed companies uh, that you deal with or whoever your dealer is that are, are sort of maybe pushing you know pushing certain, certain varieties, varieties yeah for your area or whatever and so then you can you can take their advice but you can also look at these uh, performance test results and say well and then go to your dealer and say well this this test this maritime test it did mm -hmm. maybe didn't do as maybe didn't do as well you know and that's the thing too is you can always try you know you can always try a certain uh a small percentage of your acreage you know with with new varieties you know even if you have a standard one that you've been happy with for the past number of years or whatever uh, see that maybe it would outperform the variety you have been growing and we, we see a lot more of that with with soybeans and corn yeah. you know you might just start to get used to a variety uh 
you like it and then after a few it's years it's, it's gone <laughs> yeah. yeah that's been phased out we now have this number yeah and um, it's supposedly we don't... the yeah. new equivalent but let's look at the data yeah yeah but then you yeah go look at the data you're yeah. you're not uh, you may not be be certain so yeah. go check it out we don't have the same turnover with the with the small cereals right. and part of that has to do with the registration system mm -hmm. You know, they have to go through and prove themselves first, and therefore, you know, some lines definitely get vetted. So then some of the, um, we're talking about the reports, and so some of the important points, I guess, that we've already kind of covered that get included in these reports are the weather conditions, um, the heat unit accumulations for the various sites, um, number of site years for that a variety has been tested. So that's good to know too, because you know if it's if this is the first year that it's been tested and it's an adverse year and it does terribly, well then that's not really a fair representation. So we do continue to test them over over numbers of years. And if you were to look at the guide, and I'm just thinking, uh, I'm biased. I'm always thinking of the kind of the, the serial <laughs> side, but you know we we report the. Uh, the four-year mean, the three-year mean uh, mm -hmm. for yields, two-year mean, and then the and then the current current year yeah. year. So that should uh, give you an idea of how they're performing, how they're performing right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, what other tips would you have for a grower that's looking at at one of these guides, whether it's um, corn, soybeans, or? I would say again, exactly of checking out the, the number of years of. Uh, results you have there and then depending on what your end use is you know you can and, and with cereals especially i mean it's important to take a look at those disease ratings you know you want to make sure uh, maybe a good maybe a good yielder may yield quite well if your rotation or your area may be more you tend to see more of a certain disease or higher disease pressure you may want to be leery of, of that you yeah. know and maybe make very and the same with yeah same with soybeans depending on what your rotation is with other crops if there is some indication that maybe there's a, a variety that has higher uh, less resistance to to white mold you know which yeah. we tend not to see a lot in the in the maritimes just in sort of isolated locations yeah. and then isolated years yeah but, this yeah. year being one of them <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I definitely suspect with the moisture we had everywhere that yeah. that uh, there was more pressure for sure in some locations. And I'm thinking, so yeah, you look at the guide, and there's, you know, yield is is one thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Doug mentioned, quality. So when it comes to like wheat, it'll say if it's intended, if the variety is intended for for milling or feed, it's it's it'll say that in in the seed guides. Um, but like other information that's there i'm thinking of something like there's a height mm -hmm. uh rating there so you know if it's a super tall variety you know you have to be aware of that that's usually yeah. correlated to uh, a variety that that lodges right and some of those tall varieties are, are are very high yielders so maybe if you are going with a high variety you should consider using a uh, a plant growth regulator yeah. to try to to strengthen that stem and, and shorten it up a little bit. And then, you know, for something like oats, yeah, lodging is a pretty important uh, important uh, rating there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then the the disease, of course. You got to think of the main, the two main things. What to, what does an elevator look at? It's your dawn mm-hmm. concentration, at least over here, and uh, and then your yield is obviously super important. I didn't mention earlier, but uh, the corn is divided up into silage and grain, but there are some hybrids that are entered into both the silage and the grain tests. So that's an interesting thing to look at too, because you know, one of those or one of those hybrids that's going to that performs fairly well as either a silage hybrid or a grain hybrid gives you more flexibility depending on what the year brings. So that's kind of an interesting thing to look at. So Doug, you've been <laughs> you've been involved in these trials for quite a while. How have you seen the trials evolve over time to reflect changes in, in production practices? Or have you? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. There's been uh, there's been changes over the years, and like I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's been changes with you know things like plot sizes and that kind of thing. It's been looked at a number of times since I've been involved. Mm-hmm. But as far as reflecting on the changes to how companies are coming out with varieties and what they what they want to see you know, what data they want collected and how it's, and, and how it's collected, you know, it's, it's not dictated by the companies, but, mm-hmm. you know, these are supposed to be independent trials, but there is some, uh, there's definitely some input from the companies mm-hmm. there. And the way we report the data, the, the, what we provide in those, uh, in those production guides or uh, variety guides, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. are, uh, yeah, have changed for sure, like over the years and how, how we report that and what gets reported um, has changed, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen changes in the size, like the number of entries um, into a particular test, say as like soybeans became more popular or? Yeah, in my career, there was no maritime soybean test. Yeah. There was some performance tests that were maybe came through uh, Ag Canada at one time. Mm-hmm. But as soybeans became more prominent in this region and they, they started to breed more varieties that were adaptable to the uh, conditions here, yeah, the, like the, the increase and in the demand for testing these varieties. And so I guess it was in 2000, 2006, I guess, that we actually started this maritime soybean test. And, okay. and it would have been, uh, Jack Van Rostel that mm-hmm. was with the province and with Perennia in Nova Scotia that that sort of between uh, himself and uh, and and myself mm-hmm. sort of you know realized that this was kind of needed that people wanted to have growers want to see some local results so it was really then that we sort of started to reach out to see companies and say you know you you willing to pay a, a test fee to have these varieties tested here at a, yeah. at a number of sites or, uh, so yeah, so since that time, you know, from that first year, the, the amount, the number of entries has increased dramatically over, you know, whatever, basically yeah. we have to, basically we have to cap it now, um, that there, we, we probably could have more entries, but we try to cap it somewhere around 30 entries as a max, like in a test. I'm looking here. There was a 113 lines. Was there, Doug? Entered uh, okay. entered into yeah. the soybean test this year. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, over the five te uh, five tests. Yep, one hundred and thirteen. No, they're pretty pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, so definitely a good resource to use. Yeah, and if I think I guess what I was getting at is if a farmer has a variety or, or that they're thinking of growing mm -hmm. and it's not in the guide, it might be worth asking the rep why why it's yeah, not true. in the guide. Why why isn't it being tested? Yeah, start that conversation. Yep. The seed companies, yeah, they definitely find like they, they definitely have an interest in seeing their varieties tested here, that there is a there is a large enough market for them to sell seed here. So they're definitely interested so they can have some local data mm -hmm. and they can add it to their other data to, to support, to back up their uh, variety claims. You know? mm -hmm. And I'm thinking one thing there we, we, we didn't really touch on, like we mentioned uh, the coordinators of the tests, but <clears throat> excuse me, but we didn't say or relay that they have a body uh, of people behind them, so Absolutely. each group. So, yeah. Caitlin, where, where you're the coordinator of the corn test, mm -hmm. you also have all of the provincial specialists yeah. and just industry experts yeah. on those committee. committees. Yeah, of people yep. to, to be able to look at the report or the uh, how the varieties performed throughout the year and everybody kind of agrees on the on the lists and the report before it goes out. So it's, it's a nice, collaboration between all the Maritimes to make sure that we're getting getting that good data out for everyone. Exactly. And I think they're, they're, they all provide input as to agronomy so yeah. that so that the all the trials are being managed uh, similarly to how they're being managed. That's an important note. Like, yeah, when you talked about, you know, changes over the years, you know, something like soybeans, you know, production practices have changed as far as switched to wider row spacing generally, you know, just because varieties have changed, you know, and so seeding rates have changed, but in these trials, you know, so we have, they have changed over the years, but varieties are compared, you know, comparing apples to apples. So they're all seeded at the same rate. Yeah. You can't adjust your seeding rate because a company says, well, this variety performs better at this seeding rate you know test they have to be performed so you sort of find a, a, a middle of the road you know or yeah. a more sort of standard seeding rate that's representative of yeah that's going to be representative yeah. of all it's a level playing field for everything. the only thing that's a little different say for the registration side of the cereals that might be different from uh what a farmer does is that we don't use fungicide in right. the in the registration trials and the reason for that is that we're trying to determine the genetic resistance. We want to see, yeah, what what the genetics do in terms mm -hmm. of, of resistance, because that that really is your that's your first step, yeah, right? You absolutely. need good genetic resistance because if you don't have that, then you're going to be a hundred percent reliant on fungicides, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, don't you absolutely don't. Is there anything that you'd like to? see in the future change in the future um for these trials so that they continue to reflect the industry so on our committee uh we do have an agronomist who's uh, dr dr aaron mills mm -hmm. as you i believe you've already yes, he uh, was, interviewed him yeah guest on uh last month's podcast <laughs> yeah he knows a lot about 
well, a, a lot about a lot of things, especially beer and uh, and malting barley uh, production. Um, but uh, knows a lot about cereal production. And uh, we've been talking to him. One thing I would love to see, I guess, is kind of an addition to our existing uh, performance trials uh, for the cereals, where mm-hmm. where we have kind of the standard agronomy that we've been using, and then. We also grow out a couple of reps of more intensive agronomy. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's not an original thought. I believe it was the, what was it? The cereal and oilseed conference over here this past winter. Uh, they were interviewing uh, somebody. I thought it was from Wisconsin and, and they do that over there. And so what the end result is that you can take the differences in the mean mm-hmm between the the intensively managed plots and the just the conventionally managed plots and then you can relay data to producers to show what lines perform better under intensive management so i think that would be kind of a a cool direction to go and and something i I think we we believe that we're going to propose to to the committee Mm -hmm. and we'll see how see how something like that goes that'd be really neat (laughs) Does anybody have anything else they want to add? (laughs) Uh, Not not too much from my end. I I would encourage producers to to take advantage of these guides that are sent out. A lot of work goes into them. I think you can trust the data. You know, the the yield, because they're from small plot, they may not be it may not be the exact yield that you see in your your field but the thing you can trust is how the the varieties perform in comparison to one another that's the big thing to take from it and to to look for the guides to know over in pei they're also uh i think they're mailed out in in some type of uh, a publication maybe they go out in the island farmer or something as well but Mm -hmm. the easiest way to find them is just to do a quick google search and they usually pop right up yeah, and in Nova Scotia, um, they will go in the CropLinks newsletter as well. So stay tuned to that or any of the provincial websites, and you'll be able to find them pretty easy. Yeah, and I, and I would just echo yeah what Dan says as far as just to recognize all the work that goes into these, to doing all these uh, trials, you know, providing this information. And like Dan mentioned, yeah, I always have someone mention, well, you see, they see the small plot yields and they say, well, that's, we can't get that on a field scale as well. No, you probably, you probably can't usually, but it's all, yeah, it's comparing, it's, it's, you look, you're comparing varieties. It's not necessarily, yeah, you say, okay, this variety, you don't look at the actual yield number you say, but it did yield higher than this, 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 and this, and yeah. or whatever other uh, parameter you're looking at, whether it's disease or or other quality parameters, yeah, yeah, you can compare. And I guess if you have somebody that comes onto your farm and they knock these trials, then I just think you should raise an eyebrow. There's, uh, there's a lot of experts that have input I- into this work. And so I, I think, I really do think you, you can trust it. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to see my, uh, former protégés in such prominent roles in uh, in agriculture in uh, the Maritimes. Well, Makes me proud. 
that's that's uh no that's good doug you are the person that that got me into into cereals yeah me too so i think we can say we're pretty proud to have have been your students and Made Thank it you. To this point. <laughs> yeah, geez, time for a virtual hug here. Got <laughs> That's right. A virtual cheers. We'll uh, we'll have to yep. get a beer together cheers. sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you nope, so much, guys, you. and uh, we'll see you soon, hopefully. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Stay tuned for a written summary of this episode coming up in the next edition of the CropLinks newsletter which you can subscribe to by visiting our website, www.perennia.ca. Guides from this year's variety trials for soybeans, corn, and cereals will be available through the CropLinks newsletter and on the Perennia, New Brunswick, and PEI government websites. I want to give a big thanks to the teams that work on the variety trials throughout the season, and especially my research technician, Jonathan Bent. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Follow us on social media at NS Perennia. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and our marketing and communications team, Moira Anderson and Patty Ryan, for production and design. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Stay tuned for a written summary of this episode coming up in the next edition of the CropLinks newsletter, which you can subscribe to by visiting our website, www.perennia.ca. Guides from this year's variety trials for soybeans, corn, and cereals will be available through the CropLinks newsletter and on the Perennia, New Brunswick, and PEI government websites. I want to give a big thanks to the teams that work on the variety trials throughout the season, and especially my research technician, Jonathan Bent. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Follow us on social media at NS Perennia. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and our marketing and communications team, Moira Anderson and Patty Ryan for production and design.